Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Townley, and praise the Lord, everyone. It's great to be in Jennings tonight and good to be in this beautiful church and good to see all of you men that are here, all the ministers that are here, all the men and young men that are here representing various churches. It's great to be with you and be among you. We look forward to coming and excited about being here and found out that it gets cold in Louisiana too. I thought I was coming to the warm south. Praise God. I found out I was coming to the cold, cold south. It was about, about as cold here as it is in North Carolina. Amen. But it's great to be in this church and great to be with all of you. I'm excited about the opportunity to be here for this meeting and the men that are on the schedule. Looking forward to it. And God bless you. Brother Spell, good to see him and hear him tonight. Brother Kuhn, longtime friend. Good man of God, and good to see him, Brother Alviar, my friend, for a long time. And Brother Ray Majors back there. I saw him back there. It's good, so good to see him. Appreciate him very much. And all the other men that are here, uh, ministers from a lot of places, and I'm glad to be here. Well, it's just men here tonight, isn't it? Praise God. And uh, it's good to be among men. I believe that God wants to do a work in this hour among the men of the church. And I believe that if there's anybody that's going to provide the leadership for what God wants done in the church in this hour, it's going to be the men. Men of character, men of principle, men of ethics, men of righteousness, men of truth, men that love God. Amen. Men that are willing to put God first in their lives are going to step out front and center and be the men that God wants them to be. And I believe God's raising up men in this hour. Not only men to preach, but men to pray and men to worship and men to seek God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't we all worship the Lord right now? Amen. Praise God. 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 I was reading something today coming over here just uh, looking at a few things and, and praying, and I hope that I found the man of God for this service tonight because it's just me in here. But I was reading something, and you perhaps have seen it. It's not original with me. God's ten most wanted men, the man that puts God's business above all other business, the man that brings his children to church rather than sends them, the man that's willing to be the right example to every person that he meets, the man thinks more of Sunday school than of Sunday sleep, the man that gives what he should to the church and lives on what's left. The man who goes to church for Christ's sake and for the gospel's sake rather than for just himself or someone else. The man that has a passion to help others more than just being helped himself. The man that has a willing mind rather than a brilliant mind. A man who sees his own faults before he sees the faults of others. The man who's concerned about winning people to Jesus Christ more than winning worldly honors. Amen. I believe God's looking for men tonight. Hallelujah. I believe God's looking for men to lead their families and their homes to God. We need men to step out and lead their families to God. Hallelujah. When I was a boy in church years ago, it was mostly women in church and just a few men and a lot of women and girls. I'm glad that we've awakened to the idea that this is not just for the women and this is not just for the kids. We need men in church. 
Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. A Christian home, I believe, will be aware of the presence of God. A Christian home will practice the teachings of the Bible. A Christian home will demonstrate faith. A Christian home will demonstrate love. A Christian home will practice forgiveness. A Christian home will be exemplary to other people. A Christian home is one that is faithful to the house of God. Thank God for homes that are standing for what's right. Men, women, and young people standing for what's right. Well, let's glorify the Lord. Let's clap our hands again. Praise God. 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 I thought the little story where the, um, where the uh, teacher of the Sunday school class was asking the children, why did God make woman? Nobody would answer. And finally, one little boy raised his hand and said, I think I know. said, uh, God made man. And then he took one look at him and said, I think I can beat that the next time. <laughs> Amen. I- I'm sure if we had women here, they would agree with that. Praise God. But I thank God for men. I thank God for the men of our church. The church that I pastor uh, has some good men in it. And there's nothing like good, strong, solid, apostolic men that love the truth. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Let's, uh, let's look for a little while in the word of the Lord tonight. And I hope that I can be a blessing to you and uh, to all that have attended this service this evening. It is great to see such a good number of men here, and good number of preachers that are here. Let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, would you anoint us in this service? Let the rich anointing of your spirit be upon this meeting tonight and tomorrow. Let these services be blessed by the presence of God. Let the holy anointing of God be upon us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give us hearts to serve you. Give us hearts that are hungry for you. Give us hearts that thirst after God. Give us hearts that seek after God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated and God bless you. And thank you to Brother Townley for inviting me to come. I appreciate the privilege, Brother Townley, to be with you and be in your beautiful church and to worship the Lord with you and all of these good people. Thank you, Brother Townley, for allowing me the privilege to be here. The privilege is certainly mine. So I want to preach for a little while tonight. I um, tried to get something together that I hope will be a blessing. But um, this sermon tonight may be for... For people that are married or people that want to get married, I see some that are here tonight that I think that want to get married. Amen. Brother Spell talked about wanting to get married very young, didn't he? Amen. But this message may be for people that are married and those that want to get married and for people that are sorry they're married. Uh, I I hope that doesn't be. uh, We'll have an altar call after a while for you. But uh, uh, I actually getting married is easy. It's a living together that starts all the fights. <laughs> that's that's what I've been told. But uh, <laughs> I've been married going on 47 years. So, <laughs> But uh, marriage, the Bible teaches, is honored of God. In fact, Hebrews 13 and 4 says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. 
So marriage is honorable. And men that are married are honorable. And men that love God and love their families are honorable. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 22 said, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Uh Amen. So all of us that are married have been favored of God. We're married. We've got God's favor upon us. Genesis 2, 23 and 24 talks about two things, and that is leaving and cleaving. That's what he said. He said you would leave your father and mother and would cleave to your wife, and they shall be one flesh. And one man said to me one time, he said, I know we're supposed to be one flesh, but the question is which one? But uh, he said that they too shall be one flesh. Mark chapter 10 and verse 9, the Bible said, What God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. When you see the rapid rising divorce rate in America tonight, it makes us in the church stop and think about what's going on. As a pastor, it makes me stop and think. Because we're seeing and hearing of too much divorce in, in, in in the house of God. Hallelujah. I believe God put you together to stay together. And I believe if you're married tonight, you ought not be looking for anybody else. I believe you ought to be satisfied with the one that God gave you. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. And uh, 1 Peter chapter uh, 3 and verse 7 said that when we're married, we are heirs together of the grace of life. We're heirs together of the grace of life. However, the devil has opposed God's plan in the area of marriage. And I don't know what Brother Townley wanted me tonight. He didn't ask me to any particular subject. I'm just going to kind of shoot all over the tree if that's all right. But the devil is in opposition to the family. The devil is working in opposition to the home. And since I'm talking to men tonight that are key leaders in this area and men of God, I want to tell you that the devil is going to fight against you just as he does in other areas. But we've got to get the victory over the devil. I said we must win the victory in this area. If, if we don't win the victory in this area, then Satan will defeat us in everything else that we endeavor to try to do. We've got to win the victory in our families, in our marriages, in our homes. Somebody say, praise the Lord. When you look at the events in, in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, it was man versus woman. Chapter 4 was polygamy. Chapter 9 is pornography, which is lustful looking. And there's a lot of that spirit in our world. And on the internet and everywhere else, there's a lot of lustfulness. And God's men need to stay away from that area. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I said God's men are not to be as men of this world. It's common for 80% of the men of the world to be involved in pornography, but not apostolic men. Praise God. In Genesis chapter 16, there was adultery. In Genesis chapter 19, there was homosexuality. In Genesis chapter 34, there was fornication. In chapter 38 of Genesis, there was incest and prostitution. In chapter 39, there was seduction. Now, you might ask why. Because Genesis is the book of beginnings. 
And Satan tried to destroy family relationships from the very beginning. I said the devil was out to destroy the family from the very beginning. But God's still going to have a church. Doesn't matter what the devil does tonight. God's still going to have a church. Amen. I said the Lord's going to have a church. You may be seated. If, if some preacher compromises and quits preaching the Word of God, God will still have a church. If some man backslides and throws away his walk with God, God's still going to have a church. If somebody leaves the church because the pastor is preaching the truth, God will still have a church. I said God will still have a church. It's ordained of God. God will still have a church. It's predestined of God. It's in the foreknowledge of God. Upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Thank God for the church. Amen. One pastor was preaching one time and he said there are two things that are paralyzing Christianity. He said that's ignorance and apathy. Ignorance and apathy. He pointed to a man on the front row and he said, isn't that right? And the man spoke up and said, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> that's about where we are. I don't know and I don't care. Amen. A lot of marriages are the same. Amen. I've heard that before marriage, opposites attract. After marriage, opposites irritate. Can I get a witness? If you've been married 30 days or more, you know that. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's an old adage that it takes two to make a good marriage. But I believe it takes three. It takes a man and a woman and God. Hallelujah. I said it takes a man and a woman and God. You're not going to have a good marriage if you leave God out. Amen. You may be seated. I said, you can have everything else going for you. But if God's not in the middle of that marriage, then the will of God's not going to be done. And your marriage is not going to be what God wants it to be. I'm encouraging men and I put God right in the heart and the center of your home and your marriage. We need a revival of family altar. We need a revival of family praying. We need a revival of reading the word of God in the home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For years and years, ever since I can remember, Brother Kloon, uh, at night before we go to bed, I don't care if we come in late from church and it's 2 o'clock in the morning, I've made a habit of reading a chapter or two to my wife. Just a congregation of one. Amen. Then we pray together. You say, what good is that? I'm going to tell you, it does a lot of good. Hallelujah, because if it's one o'clock in the morning, sometime when I read a chapter, and I, I'll, I'll get to elaborating on that. My wife may not appreciate that, but since she's not here tonight, I'll just go ahead and say it. Praise God, but I want Bible reading in the home. I want prayer in my home. I want the Holy Ghost in my house. I want the will of God in my life. I want the blessing of God upon my wife. 
Somebody shout hallelujah. You show me a home where husbands love their wives. And after all, the Bible does command husbands love your wives. It never said husbands change your wives. Praise God. But it does say love them. And five times more it tells the husband to love the wife than it does tell the wife to love the husband. Praise God. You're not taping this, are you? (laughs) But if husbands will love their wives and wives will submit to the godly leadership of their husband and the children will be obedient to their parents, I'll show you a home that's got the blessing of God upon it. I said, I'll show you a home that's got the blessing of God upon it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what the programs are. We need God's power more than we need anything else tonight. Brethren, we need God's power. Amen. One man that I read from said that we uh, have weak churches because we have weak families. We have weak families because we have weak marriages. We have weak marriages because we have weak husbands and fathers. We have weak husbands and fathers because no one has ever trained them in what they ought to do to be the right kind of husband and father. Amen. I believe it's time for the church to face up to the issues. We can't wait on the world to do it. It's time for the church to do it. Hallelujah. And, and, and meetings of this nature, 10th, Time you've got together in 10 years for this kind of meeting. I'll guarantee you there's been some ministries that have been blessed. Families have been blessed. Marriages have been strengthened. Men of God have gotten fresh vision and courage. We need men like meetings like this where men come together. Praise God for our wives and the ladies. But I said we need meetings where men come together. And we learn and we talk and we communicate and we preach and we teach and we listen and we hear and we receive and we absorb. Somebody shout hallelujah. One woman said one time, said, my husband is full of sound advice. 99% sound and 1% advice. Another woman said, I married my husband for life. Only to find out he didn't have any. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. Another lady said, I married my husband for better or worse. He couldn't have done better and I couldn't have done worse. (laughs) Well, she had a little ego problem there herself. Praise God. But 64% of all divorce in a book that I read said is caused by the lack of communication. 64%. Of divorces is caused by the lack of communication. Husbands talking to wives. I believe it's time for us men in this house to take the leadership in our family. I'm not talking about being mean and and dictatorial and ugly in spirit. I'm talking about leadership. It's time for God's men to be leaders in the house. I don't care if you're 25 or 60. It's time for God's men to rise up and become leaders in the work of the Lord and the house of God. And the thanks of God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Years ago, before the use of cell phones and 
everything now. I can't, I can't keep up with all this modern technology. But before all of that happened, I was reading about a man that was in the phone booth talking. Another man was waiting on the outside, Brother Spell, to use that same phone booth. And he stood out there for 35 minutes. And he noticed the man had a phone in his hand, but he hadn't said a word. 35 minutes went by. And he hadn't said a word. And finally, he knocks on the door of the phone booth. And he said, sir, he said, you haven't said a word 35 minutes. He said, I need to use that phone. You haven't said a word. I'm just standing here. And you haven't been talking. He says, just a minute. I'm talking to my wife. <laughs> Praise God. Some of you get it after church. <laughs> Praise God. But communication is the key. Amen. We need to learn to pray with our family. Somebody said, I'm not going to pray with my wife. We need to pray with our wives. We need to pray with our kids. Prayer needs to mark and characterize the Christian home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to talk to our wives. We need to talk to our family. There's not much talking going on in this generation where there's a television in every room and somebody's fooling with some other kind of gadgetry. There's not much communication going on in the house. Hallelujah. I don't want Hollywood setting the pace for my house. Hallelujah. I said, I don't want the thinking of Hollywood to set the pattern and the standard for my marriage and my house. You may be seated. That's why I've never had a television in my life. I won't ever have a television in my life. That's why I don't watch no kind of movies. I'm not bragging. I don't watch no kind of movies. I've never had a video. I don't care about all of that. Praise God. If you get wrapped up in the work of God, you won't have time for all that stuff. Now, come on. You can say amen or oh me. But if you get wrapped up in the, in the cause of Jesus Christ and get busy for God, you won't have time for what the world's doing. Amen. You may be seated. Talking about communication. One lady went to a lawyer for divorce. And the lawyer said, ma'am, do you have grounds? She said, about a half acre. He said, well, I'm going to ask another question. Do you have a grudge? She said, no, I have a carport. He said, well, let me try this again. Third time, does your husband beat you up? She said, no, I'll get up every morning before he does. The lawyer said, what's your problem, ma'am? She, ma she said, we can't communicate. <laughs> I, believe, I believe she did have a problem. That old boy was sitting over there somewhere saying, pray for me. <laughs> Praise God. But we need to communicate with our God. We need to learn to com communicate with the man of God. Sometimes the pastor is the last one in the church to hear what's going on. All right, praise God. I said sometimes people in the congregation knows what's going on, and even the pastor don't know, and they won't tell him. Praise God. You need to communicate with God and your pastor and your wife and your kids. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as Christians tonight, we need to get some answers. We don't need our answers from soap operas. Right. 
We need our answers from the Word of God. Answers that can help our family. Amen. We need some answers from God. I don't feel like that the TV personalities have got any answers for me. Hallelujah. I don't feel like the world can give me the answers. Word of God gives us some answers. That's why we need to dig into and delve into the Word of God. Because in this book there are answers. And we need some answers because we're living in a chaotic, confused, troubled society. We need to hear from heaven. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I read an article recently that said, What do families want? And under this caption, there was one thing that said, What do females want? So I thought, okay, I've got a wife and two daughters. And uh, both of my daughters are married, and uh, got five grandchildren, and uh, of course the sweetest grandchildren, Brother Spell, in the whole world. You know how that goes. Yeah, and two of them spent the night with me last night, and the rest of them got together today while I was gone. I called back, and they was having time. I wonder if they'd have a better time without me. <laughs> I got five grandchildren, all of them are boys except four. And so uh, I, I was reading this article that says, what do females want? And I thought, okay, I'm going to read that. It says, in childhood, they want fun. In their 20s, they want romance. In their 30s, they want admiration. In their 40s, they want sympathy. In their 50s, they want cash. And now I understood. <laughs> Amen. I understood. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we need to communicate. God help us as men of God, as men of faith, as men of the church, that we will lead our families in the will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe men ought to love their wives as never before. I believe we ought to love our families as never before. It ought not just be James Dobson that's focusing on the family. It ought to be every godly man that's focusing on his family. Because if we miss it here, everything else is going to fall apart. Amen. I said everything else is going to fall apart. Hallelujah. You may be seated. If you see a, if you see a man opening a, Car door for his wife. I read the other day. It's either a new car or a new wife. <laughs> Praise God. Somebody say amen right there. Hallelujah. One lady went to her pastor and she said, uh, she said, uh, my husband will not read, uh, lead in the family. He will not be the leader. And uh, her husband didn't agree with that. And uh, she said, uh, my husband will not be a leader. And the pastor was talking to him, and, and, uh, and then he, he made a statement to this lady. He said, and to the man, he said, uh, to the gentleman, he said, it's hard to follow a parked car. It's hard to follow a parked car. If that car is sitting still, you can't hardly follow him. 
So men have got to be leaders. Amen. If anybody's going to do something around the church, it ought to be men. If anybody's going to go to the prayer room, it ought to be men. We don't need the ladies' prayer room full while the men are sitting in the vestibule talking about hunting and fishing. Hallelujah. Is anybody still here? You may be seated. I've been in churches where the ladies were praying before church and the men were talking about the cars. They were talking about hunting. They were talking about fishing. They were talking about everything else. But they wasn't in the prayer room. We need some men to go to a prayer room. We need some men that will stand up and say amen in the church. Maybe see. I tell our men in Durham, I want our women to say amen sometime. But I tell you what I really want to hear. I want to hear our men say amen. I want our ladies to say amen. But I want some men to say amen. I want to hear a male voice shout hallelujah. Preach it. Glory. Praise God. Is anybody here tonight? I said I want to hear some men say amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Stand behind your pastor. Stand behind what he's preaching. Stand behind your church. Amen. You know, the word family has been used by so many people to mean so many different things that I think sometimes we've lost the essence and the meaning of what family really is. Charles Manson years ago went on a murderous spree throughout Southern California and he left the blood of his victims splattered on the wall and he called that mindless group of riffraff that followed him his family. That's what he said. Charles Manson said that was his family. And today, social leaders are redefining a family to mean two consenting adults and their children. That's not the way the Bible defines it. Hallelujah. I'm not here to be mean tonight, but I'm here to tell the truth. A marriage is one man and one woman. It's not two men or two women. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I said homosexuals want to adopt children and then be labeled a family. I've got news for them tonight. Two homosexuals can live together. Five of them can live together. Fifteen of them can live together. But that's not a family. And it'll never be a family as far as God's concerned. It takes one man and one woman to make up a family. You know what? You may be seated. Public schools may teach Heather has two mamas. But two lesbians with children is not a family. They're nothing more than sex perverts playing let's pretend. Hear me tonight. I said they are sexual perverts playing let's pretend. You can change the words of a Bible with a printer. You can change your name with a lawyer. You can change your sex by a surgeon. But you can never change the mind of Almighty God on what it takes to be a family. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, you, the world's giving in and the homosexual, uh, the gay movement is saying we're making progress. We're making strides. I hope they're never making strides in the apostolic church. I believe God will forgive them, but I don't believe you can stay in your sin. When God forgives you, you'll quit fornicating. When God forgives you, you'll quit adultery. When God forgives you, you'll quit the homosexual lifestyle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. Maybe seated. What is a family? A family is not a house with a prestigious address. A roof can keep out the rain. And the four walls can keep out the chill of a Louisiana January night. And a door can welcome friends and keep out enemies. A fireplace can warm those that nestle close on a cold winter's night. But that's not a family. What is a family? A family, as I grew up as a kid in southern Missouri, a family was walking into a house, a very simple house. In those days, no running water. Only the running water we ever had was my dad would say, you run and get some water. And I'd run outside and pump some water into, into a bucket and bring it back in. Amen. That was the running water we had. I know that's antique for some of you city slickers, but all of us are not city slickers. Praise God. That's right. All of us wasn't raised in big city like Brother John Hare was. <laughs> Amen. I'm teasing. But I'm going to tell you, in those days, you built a fire in the fireplace and, and just an old stove. And, and, and I was 12 years old. I was 12 years old when we got electricity for the first time. And man, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. We got a refrigerator for the first time when I was 12 years old. Up until that time, the Iceman would come by. You'd leave out a sign. Some of you don't remember that. But a few of you might if you just admit it, bless God. <laughs> You know, the ice man would come by, and there'd be 25, 50, 75, or 100, and you'd leave the number up you wanted, and he'd put it in an old uh, tub and put a cotton sack on top of the tub, and that would keep it pretty good for a while, and that's the way it was raised up. But you know what a family was to me? My dad loved me. My mother loved me. A family to me is walking in, and my mama's cooking supper. Amen. And there's the strength of the daddy's presence there. A family is the warmth of loving hearts and the loyalty of that love is demonstrated. All right. A family is one man loving one woman. It's parents loving their children and that love being returned. When that happens, the angels of heaven come down to enjoy the beauty of the family just as God has ordained it. Hallelujah. Thank God for the family as it's ordained of God. Oh, hallelujah. This generation is getting way a long ways away from God's concept and God's idea of a family. But the church needs to bring things back into proper perspective. God expects earthly fathers to reflect what he is. God is love. And God expects husbands to love their wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Not only is God love, but God is a provider. And he expects earthly fathers to provide for their families. 
And a father that doesn't provide for his own, if he's able, I'm going to say if he's capable, physically, mentally able, and so on. A father that does not provide for his own family, First Timothy 5, 8, it says, denied to faith and worse than an infidel. All right. America tonight is saturated with deadbeat dads who sire children with their lover of the week or their wife of the month and then skip out, leaving a stranded mother to care for that baby alone. That is not sexual independence. That's moral insanity. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hollywood projects single motherhood as being glamorous. It may be one thing for the fictional Murphy Brown to support an illegitimate child, but the reality is something else. When a 16-year-old girl has got an illegitimate child, and poverty, we're told, used to be a problem of low wages or unemployment, but the poverty today is caused by the collapse of the family. Half of all single mothers live below the poverty line. I'm, I'm quoting now. Half, over half of all the single mothers live below the poverty line. God is, is our Father, and God the Father is called Jehovah Shema, which means the God who is there. And he expects earthly daddies to be there too. Millions of men have fathered children and walked away from their family. And millions of others are living in a family home. But they're so absorbed in their careers that they very seldom spend time with their wife and with their kids. I'm pleading tonight that we come back to God's concept of the family. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. The effects of absentee fatherhood are devastating. Not only on individual families, but on the society as a whole. I was reading some time back where a former Secretary of Education, Bill Bennett, he had got some data together. This is a few years old, what happened to America's fatherless homes in the past 30 years. He said this, and I quote Bill Bennett. He said, in the last 30 years, there's been a 550% increase in violent crime. A 400% increase in illegitimate births. A 200% increase in teenage pregnancy rate. And a 300% increase in teenage suicide. More than 70% of all juveniles in the state reform institutions come from a fatherless home. More than 70%. We need daddies in the home. We need daddies in the church. It don't make you a weakling or a sissy to come to church. It takes a real man to live for God. Don't let anybody tell you that because you go to church, you're a weakling and you're a sissy. No, sir. Praise God. It takes men of stability and character to go to the house of God. And bring their children. For I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you ask any politician about the problems we're facing in America tonight, they'll give you a knee-jerk reaction. 
America's become reactionary rather than actionary. We wait till somebody kills a bunch of people at Fort Hood, and then we we wait till they almost blow a plane up over Detroit, and then we scramble about to get a bunch of rules together. All right? I said America is reactionary. We're reacting to situations when we ought to be acting. But the politicians, if you ask them here about what we need in America, here's what they say. We need more education. Secondly, they say we need more money for more programs. I submit tonight that it's not another program we need. It's the Holy Ghost that we need. Hallelujah. What we need to do is put the missing father back in the home. We should go to all the fathers of this nation and say, go home. Get a job. Love your wife. Love your children. Get that hell-raising son out of that gang he's in. And kick his backside until he becomes a law-abiding citizen. I know that's a little strong for some of you, but I'm going to tell you what, it's the only thing that's going to bring rightness and revival back to America. So many, you may be seated, so many of America's young people are having drug problems. They wouldn't be having that if fathers were fulfilling their responsibilities. And Brother Alviar, I had a drug problem when I was a boy. I did. I was drugged to church every Sunday morning. I drugged church every Sunday night. I drugged church every Wednesday night. I drugged the church seven nights a week for had revival. Now then you can't have a two-night revival without some people missing one night of it. All right, just might as well say amen. Hallelujah. I said when I was a boy and when I evangelized almost four years, uh, it was seven nights a week. You didn't take any nights off. Now then if you, if you, if you have a two day revival, some of the saints are going to miss one night of it. I hope every man in this building is a faithful man. I hope you're a committed man. I hope you're a godly man. I hope that every time the doors of your church open up, that you are there. Say an amen to the pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. I was not only drugged then, but I was drugged to a family altar every night. And at times, I hate to admit it, but I was drugged to a woodshed. When I didn't do what daddy wanted done. Praise God. That's right. And those drugs are still in my veins tonight. And they're still affecting my behavior. And they're stronger than cocaine and heroin put together. And that kind of drugs can save America from a moral crisis. It, it is said in a magazine I was reading last week, it said that there, that the average family in America has two minutes a day of meaningful conversation. Two minutes a day of meaningful conversation. 
One's coming, one's going. Dad's coming, the wife's leaving, and the kids are doing whatever they want to. You know, they used to ask on KMOX in St. Louis when I was raised in Missouri, when it, when it came 11 o'clock at night, I never will forget it. Every time before they had the news to come on, they'd say, do you know where your children are? Every night at 11 o'clock, KMOX in St. Louis would say, do you know where your children are? Now then, it's telling the kids, you know where your parents are? Huh? Praise God. That's just about what they're saying. You know where your parents are? Hallelujah. Let me rush to a close. The, the man of the house is to be a prophet and a priest and a king. Hallelujah. You say, I didn't know I was worthy of such uh, great titles. Yes, you are. If you're the man God wants you to be, you're going to be the prophet and the priest and the king to your family. And as a priest of the family, the father represents the family to God. I said he represents the family to God as the priest. At the first Passover, it was the father's responsibility to put the blood on the doorpost. The safety of the family depended on the father. If he put the blood over the doorpost, the family was spared. If the father failed in his duty, then the death angel killed the firstborn. Hallelujah. And the death angel is now passing through the United States of America. And he's coming with drugs and alcohol and sexual diseases and rebellion and revolution. And daddy, your family is like mine. It's going to be destroyed if we don't take the blood of the cross and put it over our children. And I was a boy, they always were praying. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I wondered what in the world they meant. But I found out after a while. Hallelujah. We need to plead the blood over our sons and our daughters. Hallelujah, hallelujah. As a prophet, the father represents God to his family. Now it reverses the flow. The priest represents his family to God, and the prophet represents God to his family. Genesis 6 and 8 says that Noah found grace or favor in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord told him what to do to save his family. God told Noah, the father, what to do to save his family. He didn't tell Mrs. Noah didn't tell Ham, Shem, and Japheth. He told Noah what to do to save his family. He told the father that the, that the flood was coming and how to escape the flood through the ark. By faith, Hebrews 11 says, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Boy, you may not do very much. You may not can reach 30 people in Sunday school, but if you save your house, if you save your family, it's a big job. Hallelujah. I said, we, and I don't mean we become the Savior. That's not the point. We're pleading the blood. We're praying. We're seeking God. Hallelujah. We're asking God to save our children. We're asking God to save our family members. Hallelujah. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Just like Noah, there's going to come a time when your family will be saved based on what you have heard from God. It's a father's responsibility, responsibility to teach his children about God. It's a father's place. 
getting quiet in here. Brother Tim Spell said it's so quiet you could hear a rat licking ice. You know him? Yeah. Praise God. It's getting a little quiet in here. But it was the Father's responsibility. You know what? If you want to be biblical, real biblical, it's not altogether the mother's responsibility and it's not even the church's responsibility. It's the Father's responsibility. We say, oh, I'll put them in a Sunday school classroom one hour a week and they'll sure be saved. Not necessarily. They're going to have to see it in the home. They're going to have to feel it in the home. They're going to have to see it out of daddy. Kids are great copycats. They're emulators. They emulate what others in the family do. They emulate what dad does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if your son only gets religious instruction for, in a religious setting such as the church, then he will divide religion from real life. And if religious instruction comes from the mother only, then your son will see faith in God as a feminine activity. Sons want to be like their fathers. If you want to skip church and go fishing on Sunday, he will too. I don't believe sin to go fishing, but I don't miss church to go fishing. I don't believe sin to go hunting, but I don't miss church to go hunting. Hallelujah. I lost some of you right there. Praise God forever. Glory to God. Glory to God. And then, not only is he a prophet and a priest, but he's the king. And as a king, the father rules his family on behalf of God. Part of what that means is that father is making some decisions. He's not saying, go see your mama, go see your mama, go see your mama, go see your mama. Go talk to your mama. Daddies need to make some decisions. Daddies need to stand on their own two feet and make some decisions. Daddies need to make some decisions. About who your kids are going to date. Daddies need to make some decisions. And where they can go. Daddies need to make some decisions. And who they can be with. Daddy needs to make some decisions. And how long they can stay. Daddy needs to make the decisions. And what time they better be home. Daddy needs to make some decisions. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say praise the Lord. In a world that's being torn apart. Where family values are failing. Divorce, drugs, child abuse, drunkenness, incest, abortion, pornography, homosexuality, greed, materialism, the internet, the chat rooms, which are nothing but gossip sessions. And I don't go there, and I've never been there, and I'm not going there. You say, Brother Goodwill, you might ought to find out what they're saying about you. I really don't care what they're saying about me. I'm still preaching the same message I preached 45 years ago, 35, 25, 10, 5. Praise God. It doesn't matter what the world thinks about me. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. You may be seated.
Maybe we ought to worry more about what God thinks about us than what some of our friends, our family, our ex-friends thinks about us. Hallelujah. I said the chat rooms are full of gossip and slander. And gossips are not right, whether it's Baptists doing it or Pentecostals doing it. And I've seen some men that could out-talk a woman. One man said to a man, he said, is your wife outspoken? He said, not by anybody I've ever met. Praise God. And preachers like to get up and say, boy, the women folks doing the gospel. And I tell our folks at home, you women ought to stop gossiping. And the only, the only ones I know of that can out-gossip you are the men. That didn't go over too good. Next year, I have the ladies here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said gossip is not right. Slander is not right. Bitterness is not right. Strife is not right. Division is not right. Rebellion is not right. I don't care what you claim to be. God will never honor rebellion. Jesus' name. Praise God. In Jesus' name. And so daddies need to make some decisions about their sons and daughters. Son, I know they told you. A, a parent came to me Tuesday night at church. We got Brother Don Stewart there in revival. Anybody know Don Stewart? Yeah, he's, we're fixing on our second week of revival. Brother Don Stewart, folks getting baptized, get the Holy Ghost every service. We have a good time. But daddy came to me and he said, my 12-year-old... Is a big boy. He said he's being pounced on every day at school by the gym teacher to go out for the basketball team and go play on the football team. Twelve years old. That's where, and I appreciated this dad. He said, I went to him and I said, sir, I'm sure your intentions are well, but my boy ain't going to play on the basketball team. And he's not going to play on the football team. I don't know how you feel, Louisiana. I'll be going home tomorrow. Praise God. But I don't believe in organized sports. You say sons need to play basketball team. No, they don't. Need to be on the football team. No, they don't. They need to be taught to live for God and love God and be in the prayer room and play music and sing in the choir and teach Sunday school and be a soul winner. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. Our boys need to be taught to love God. So fathers, it's time for us to get off of our blessed assurance. And be the leader of our family. I said it's time. Hallelujah. Let me, let me close with this. You may be seated. Proverbs 31 paints the portrait of a mother who can find a virtuous woman. Her price is far above rubies. Verse 10. Teenage daughters, your virtue, the virtue of our girls, makes them priceless. 
Amen. If we've got daughters that are dating some hormone hurricane, praise God. Are you listening? I said, if we, if we got daughters that are, that are dating some hormone hurricane that don't know the difference between love and lust, we need to tell them the difference. There's a difference in love and lust. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Love gives a wedding. Lust gives a condom. Are you here? I said real love gives a wedding. Lust gives a condom. Love is patient and kind and understanding. And lust is rude and crude and demanding. God expects our mothers... To know how to make something for dinner other than reservations. Verse 15 said, she rises while it's yet night and gives food to her household. God expects a mother to be a diligent worker. Her candle goes not out by night. In other words, she's not a welfare queen lying on the couch eating potato chips. And watching Oprah. Oprah's got her own religion, but I don't join, I don't belong to her church. I've never watched her. I've never sat in her pew. I'm not going to watch Oprah. Praise God. I said, she's got her own church. She's got her own religion. You better wake up. She's got her own religion. But I'm not sitting in her pew. Hallelujah. Verse 26 of Proverbs 31 said, In her tongue is the law of kindness. She's not some hip hell raiser from some Ivy League school that can outcurse a Marine drill sergeant. All right. Then I want to close with this. There's some people who say, Well, my goodness, if there's going to be that kind of responsibility incumbent upon me with children, then I'll just not have children. Be better not to bring children in the world. Better not to have kids and bring them in this kind of world. Some of them say, I can't see bringing kids in this kind of world where they're going to have so many crushing problems. And history proves that attitude to be wrong. Some of the most powerful men in history were born in violent and corrupt times. Moses was born at a time when Pharaoh had a national extermination program for Jewish male babies. Amen. Hallelujah. Moses' parents were slaves and lived in a mud hut. They didn't know anything but poverty and hopelessness. It was in that environment that Moses was born. The world was so desperate that God sent a baby to topple Pharaoh off the throne and lead two to three million people across the Red Sea of deliverance. In the worst of circumstances, a baby was born that became a deliverer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Parents, stop whining. Quit wringing your hands in front of your children. Saying, I don't know what's going to happen to the economy. I don't know what's going to happen to this. I don't know what's going to I don't either. But I know that God's still in charge. And I know that God's still in control. And I know that God's going to take care of his church. 
I have been young, but now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. What's going to happen to this economy? I don't know, but God's going to take care of us. Hallelujah. When God says it's enough, he's going to rapture this church out of here. Hallelujah. I'm not wondering what the Congress is going to do, what the senators and what the president, what the House representatives are going to do. I'm not wondering what the governor of Louisiana is going to do. I want to know what is God going to do. Praise God. And God's going to take care of his church. Somebody shout hallelujah. 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 I said God's going to take care of his own. God's going to look out for you. God's going to watch out for you. God's going to take care of you. Let's all stand together and lift our hands and worship God. Amen. Let's worship God tonight. How many know that God's going to take care of you? God's going to take care of your family. God's going to take care of your home. If you've got children that are backslidden tonight, let's pray till they come back. Let's pray till they pray back through. Don't give up on a one of them. Don't mark any of them off. Young man raised in our church. He's like a lot of other young people. He got a little crossways with standards. That's, that's usually where it happens. That's where it happened. Not so much Jesus' name, not so much Holy Ghost, although that does. Later, that's affected. One God message will be affected if you go the way of the world. They say, I'll never turn my back on the new birth. Oh, yeah. If you give up holiness, you'll turn your back on Jesus' name and Holy Ghost. One day. Just a matter of time. I said, it's just a matter of time. But a boy in our church left the church about three months ago. I talked to him. He wouldn't come back. I didn't know what he was doing. He came back Sunday night. Brother Don Stewart preached. He was first on the altar. He had a, he had a mustache. had a little goatee. You know, most, a lot of men won't do whatever the rest of the men do. You say, what's wrong with that? Well, I'll ask you the question. What's right with it? In my years of pastoring, 46 years of pastoring, 47, I've never, ever seen one man or woman pray through and get the victory, Brother Coon, and jump up shouting and talking in tongues and saying, boy, God just showed me uh, uh, to go grow a mustache and a beard. I've never in my years, Pastor, and I've seen a lot of things. I've never seen one lady get up from Holy Ghost experience and the glory of the Lord on her face and say, God just told me to go cut my hair. I go put on jewelry or wear pants or makeup. But I've seen hundreds say, you know, they're brand new. Say, is there anything wrong? I baptized a Presbyterian preacher and his wife. She came back three days later, never heard me preach anything by standard. She said, Pastor, could I ask you a question? I said, yeah. She says, anything wrong with women wearing pants? I said, why do you ask? She said, I started putting mine on Monday morning after I got the Holy Ghost Sunday night. And for the life of me, I couldn't put them on. (laughs) 
Somebody said, well, brother, go there. We need to compromise and we'll win more people. My question to you is, what kind of people are you going to get? One pastor that I know made the statement in the last two weeks. He said, I can't wait. He, he, he got to church from his daddy. He said, I can't wait till these old heads die off and then we can do around here what we want to. Young man, if you've got that idea, you need to pray through tonight. We don't need to change anything. We just need more power with God. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody shout hallelujah. This young man came Sunday night and he prayed through. And, he, and I never got a chance to talk to him. There was others that prayed through and we baptized something. I never got, and he came back Monday night and his mustache and goatee and all that was gone. He was clean shaven. And after ran the altar, he said, Pastor, could I talk to you? He said, oh, I need, I need to ask you to forgive me. I said, why? He said, oh, I don't know if God, I hope God will forgive me. I, I want you to forgive me. I said, what in the world are you talking about? He said, John, I've been in church for three months. I said, I know it. He said, I went to this church. And he called the name of it. It's a charismatic church. And he said, the pastor told me I didn't have to do what you preached. And he said, I listened to that for a while. But he said, the other, the other Sunday week, Sunday week ago, I sat there in that church and said, it was as though God spoke to me and said, get out of here. You don't belong here. You don't belong in this atmosphere. You get back home. And he came back home Sunday night and prayed through and back Monday night and Tuesday night. And he said, Pastor, I'm here to stay. I've learned my lesson. I've, I'm here to stay. He never got rebaptized. He never went back. He just, he just was listening to that, you know. Just listening to some voices. There's a lot of voices talking out there. But I can tell you, men, let's don't listen to them. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Have you got a need tonight? My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. Are you allowing fear to strangle your hope? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Are you worried about the wicked people in the world? Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Do you feel lonely? God has promised that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Max Jukes was born in New York. He never went to church or Sunday school. Max Jukes didn't serve God, never went to church, never went to Sunday school. The figures that I've got, I didn't make this up, I'm quoting. He had 1,026 descendants, 300 of them spent an average of 13 years in prison. 190 of them were public prostitutes, 680 were alcoholics. Cost the state of New York millions of dollars to take care of them. Compare that, I'm not comparing, I'm not talking about whether the man was saved or not, I'm talking about just, just living. A decent life. Jonathan Edwards was a Puritan preacher at the same time that Max Jukes was living. Compare Jonathan Edwards, the Puritan preacher, lived in New York at the same time. He had 929 descendants. 430 were preachers. 86 were college presidents, professors. 13 were presidents of major universities. 75 authored best-selling books. Seven of them were in the U.S. Congress, and one was a vice president of the United States. And he never cost the state of New York one dime it makes a difference when you live for God I want us to pray tonight 
I wonder if there's somebody here on this Friday night that you need the Holy Ghost or you need a renewing in the Holy Ghost. Would you like to come and stand right up front here? If anybody in this building needs any man, young man, needs the Holy Ghost or you need a renewing in the Holy Ghost, would you like to come and just stand right up front here? That wouldn't be a disgrace or dishonor. It would be an honorable thing to do. Why don't you come and stand right here at the front? Perhaps you've never known God or perhaps you've backslidden. Perhaps you don't feel like you're backslidden, but you've lost your joy, your peace, your power, your love for God. You've lost some of that initial spiritual incentive and motivation that drew you to God. Why don't you come and stand with us here tonight and say, I want God to restore to me everything that I've lost. I want God's restoration power to be upon me to restore any and everything that I've lost. I want to leave. Go ahead and sing it. I want to leave this meeting tomorrow full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, full of power, full of victory, full of love for God. a father and son would like to step up here you're not backslidden but you're going to pray for your son is there a father or son would like to walk up here together I don't know you I don't know who who might have a son here is there a father and son that would like to walk up here and say we dedicate our lives afresh and anew to Jesus
worship the Lord together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Sing it with me. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. It's true. 